speaking about the Lord. I love getting to talk about Jesus and what he has for his people. I love being together with the body of Christ. It's great to be here with you. I want to thank Pastor Jim and Miss Angela for allowing me to be here. He could call anybody he wanted to, but for some reason he said, hey, little man, you're up. So it's uh, it's no small thing to me. It means a lot because your pastor means a lot to me. He has poured into my life pastorally, as a friend, as a father, as a brother. He's been wonderful to me and my family. And this church, believe it or not, has supported and loved and been there for not just the ministry that I serve in now at We Are Church Nashville with Pastor David Peden, but also to me personally. So you guys as a whole, thank you for how you are faithful to the Lord's house, you're faithful to your pastor, you're faithful to God himself. And it's just really great to be here this morning and to be with you. I'm, I'm very honored, and this is not a light thing for me. Um, however, that being said, uh, I am a hope and encouragement guy, so I really want to just remind you who you are in Jesus because the service we have today, the message that the Lord gave me was the calling talking about the calling of God on our lives. And before we get into the type of calling that I plan to talk about, there's a much bigger, more broader calling that the Bible points out to us, and that is for all the world to come out of the world and into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the first calling. That is the predominant calling that we see throughout Scripture. When it says God is calling his people It's unto himself. This is not a specific thing. This is not an assignment. This is not a ministry. This is not a mantle. This is not any of those other things that we will discuss. This is a foundational God of the heavens calling his people unto himself by his son, Jesus. We have all responded to that call. Those of us who say he is Lord of my life. We have all responded to that call. So let me encourage you really quickly, give you something to celebrate about yourself for just a second because I'm coming with the shots this morning. I got some some things to say. So in 1 John 3.14, church, you have been called from death to life. 
According to Galatians 5.13, you have been called from bondage to liberty. According to 1 Peter 2.9, you've been called out of darkness and into light. 1 Corinthians 7.15, you've been called from bondage to peace. And most amazingly, in 1 Corinthians 1.9, you've been called to the fellowship of his son, Jesus. These calls you have laid hold of if you say, I believe in Jesus, I've confessed with my mouth and believe in my heart that he's Lord. This is who you are. This is the call you carry. Through Jesus Christ, you are a child of life, liberty, light, and peace. And most amazingly, you walk in fellowship with the Son of God by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's big. I know we come into church week in and week out and we can kind of get a little mundane with our services or just even being here, we can get a little numb sometimes. But I'm here today to tell you that there's no reason you should ever be numb to the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of you and that the blood of Jesus is applied to your life and that in your days here on this earth, there is a moment where your life will expire, but you will continue on in eternity with your Father in heaven, forever in heaven with Jesus. When you woke up this morning, I guarantee you, you didn't think about that. When you woke up this morning, you didn't look in the mirror and think, I'm a child that has passed from death to life. Praise God that I'm here. I am walking in liberty in the light of my Savior. I have peace applied to me because I walk in the fellowship of God the Father through his son, Jesus. That should cause us to pause for just a minute and be grateful and be thankful for the life that we have. Amen? There is another type of calling. This is where we shift a little bit. I'm more hope and encouragement, but when I asked the Lord what he wanted me to say this morning, it was this. I told Pastor Jim I was accountable. I said, hey, got some shots to throw. He said, throw them, brother. So apparently, he must really love you because the Lord loves those whom he corrects. I'm not correcting you this morning, but I will be convicting you, hopefully, and challenging you and reminding you of the importance of walking closely with the Lord and to do the things he has called you to do. The Lord pressed this on my heart as I was praying for you and putting this message together. So I'm just going to read you what I felt the Lord tell me. God is calling his people. He is calling us to carry our cross and to walk the path that he has marked out for us and to empty ourselves for the advancement of his kingdom. Yet sadly, we often ignore the call of God and settle for the temporary advancement of our own agendas. It's time for the people of God to seize our callings by crafting our hearts with a willingness to respond to the call of God, to embrace the posture of servanthood, to commit to denying our wants, and to embrace hardship, and to follow Jesus no matter what it may cost us. We good? Okay, deep breath. 
Let it out. Relax the shoulders a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say it's going to be a good day. Turn to your other neighbor that you chose not to tell that to and say it's going to be a good day. I always hated it when pastors did that stuff, so I figured I would do it because I get to like, you know, it happens to me all the time. Now I'm going to do it to you. We're going to look at a life example through Elisha, someone in the word who had the calling of God brought upon him in just a normal, everyday occurrence of life. He got called out of a field and into ministry and into something much greater than himself. We're going to look at what happens to us as we are called by the Lord. As the Lord encounters us in these moments of our life where he says, hey, lays hold of us and and grips us and presents us with something that just won't leave us alone. I believe that there's somebody here today that needs to be reminded of the call of God, that needs to be given hope and encouragement and some instruction of how to answer this call and to stop wrestling with it. This is not an easy thing to do because, like I said, I'm a hope and encouragement guy. I'd rather tell you how much Jesus loves you. But let me tell you this. As we talk through today, I hope you hear my heart. My heart is not to crunch on you too much as much as it is just to remind you of the importance of the mission that we all carry. The Bible says you are all, even though you're not pastors, you are all carrying the ministry of reconciliation. And what is that? That means Jesus is in your heart. So that means you have the responsibility to take the Father's heart within you and give it to everyone around you. To reconcile the world to Christ through your example, through your faith, through your works. There should be a fruit produced in eternity by the works of your faith here in this life. And we're going to talk about that. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, says this, talking about Elijah. He departed from there. The Lord had given him instruction to go into a field where he would find Elisha and to put his mantle on him and he would anoint him as the next in line to be God's prophet to the people. So he departs in obedience to the Lord and finds Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pair of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. That's significant. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh. And with the implements of the oxen, he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Lord, this morning, God, I just, I want to pray over your people and I want to ask for your wisdom. I want to ask, Lord, that as you increase, I would decrease. Lord, as your word doesn't need Daniel, your word alone is enough for these wonderful people. God, would your word do its work? Holy Spirit, would you teach and would you instruct and would you bring comfort and clarity in this time together? 
God, would we know you better and be closer to you because of today? It is in the name of Jesus, your son, whom we ask these things. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So here's Elijah sitting in a field, doing his job, going about his day. And the prophet of God, whom everybody would recognize because not long ago, he was on top of Mount Carmel calling down fire on an altar, poured water, killed a bunch of Jezebel's prophets of Baal, and caused quite a stir in the community, if you will. So when Elijah puts his cloak on Elisha, not only does he know who this is that's doing this to him, but he knows what this means. This was an assignment from God to carry a ministry, to carry a call that God placed on Elisha. When this mantle was put on him, this is very significant. This is not just a coat covering a guy and it means something. It really meant like a king would give the scepter of the kingdom, holding power and authority to his son, when I expire, when my days are no more, you now carry my authority and my power. You are now it. This is very heavy to just be living your life, doing what you do, and then out of nowhere, the calling of God is on your life. There's an assignment for you. There's a task for you. There's something the Lord wants to do with you and through you that's different from all the other things you might have done up until this point. So I'm here to tell you that the first thing is this, that we can observe from this text. God's call is never convenient. We all say he's an on-time God. I've heard this many times in many services growing up. You have to go back a while to get to the services I was a part of where he's an on-time God was said a bunch, but he's an on-time God. And in the first call, talking about the world calling back unto himself, this is very true. He's an on-time, I was in my sin, I was broken, I was hurting, I was lost, I was painfully aware of my need for a savior. And the Lord came to me. The Lord met me as I called out to him. That's an on-time God with a good call. That is amazing. But once you're his and he calls you a little deeper and asks a little more of you, this is now an inconvenient call. This is now something where, as we see in the life of Elisha, I'm plowing my field, I'm doing my tasks, I'm working, I'm providing for my family, my community, I'm doing my part in the world. God has blessed me. It says that he was plowing with how many oxen? 12 pair of oxen, which is 24 oxen. And your wonderful brother in the Lord, John Gann, gave me a wonderful gift that none of the other services gets to experience because he he and I were talking. I, he said, you know, you said Elisha was a, was a wealthy man. I said, yeah. And he's like, you want to know how wealthy? And I was like, cool, let me know. Because we know with 12 pair of oxen, you're not plowing an acre. Like, you're taking care of something big, right? This dude had provision. He was able to take care of more than just his own needs, but many others. He had status. He had comfort. He had what he needed, his provision. John ran the, he he told me, he said, you tell the church, these are real-time numbers. For those of you who don't know John Gann, he deals in cattle. He said, one oxen today In 2023, you would have to pay $3,560 for one. 
And that's on a rough estimate of size, not being the biggest ones that are available. This is like the median average. He said, in that passage of scripture, pastor, you you said he was wealthy. He said, just with the oxen alone, he was worth $85,440 by today's standards. Maybe not King Solomon rich, but the dude was well off, right? He's doing good for himself. You have $85,000? If you do, can I be your friend? Can we go to lunch? Because I'm hungry. And I'm also not going to talk long so that we can do said lunch. (laughs) Because I know we're getting hungry up in here. He had what he needed. He was wealthy. He was taken care of. He's plowing with these oxen. He's, He's living his lifestyle the way most of us do, very linear. We can't go backwards. We can't live in the past. We can't relive worship that we just had a few minutes ago as much as we might want to. We wake up, we go forward. We go to bed, we get up, we do it again. When Elijah got up in the morning, I know he was focused on, as most men and women who have jobs do, especially if you're providing, you're thinking about your day. You're thinking about getting to the sunset, taking care of the things God's given you the best that you know how. And Elijah throws his mantle, the calling of God falls on his shoulders and interrupts. It's very inconvenient. The calling of God will never be convenient because God knows what is best for us and he knows that when he has appointed it the time to give you an assignment, to call you, it's not ever going to be convenient and as a matter of fact, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable. But I'm here today to tell you To accept the calling of God, you have to move past the fact that it's not convenient for you and you have to embrace the fact that it will be a little confusing and it'll be uncomfortable. God is calling you out of your comfort this morning. God is calling you out of your comfort. We all know what that means. I think of Jesus calling the disciples in Matthew uh, chapter four. He gets to the to the shoreline and they're out there fishing. They've been fishing all night, not catching anything. So drop the nets on the side. They pull up a huge catch of fish. Who is this man? How'd he know? I mean, how'd you not know? You've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat the whole night? Like, I don't know. It was a miracle, but like, you know, just practically, like maybe, maybe they just weren't fishing on the right side and Jesus is that cool just to say, hey, it was this side the whole night. Well, you're welcome. But a miracle happens nonetheless. They pull up this great catch. They get to the shore. They're encountered with Jesus. And what does he say? Drop your nets, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, pause. Insert my interpretation. What? You just helped us catch the biggest catch. We were supposed to leave this here. It almost sunk our boat. People had to come help us, and, like, there's more out there. I know there's more fish in the sea than that. Like, maybe we could start a, a company. Like, we could, we could be partners. We could really do something great with this gift you have to fill this boat with fish. It would be incredible to see what we could do together. But you want me to drop that and go with you. Okay, a couple questions. Um, first of all, where are we going? Because, you know, we got to know. If we're going to call me somewhere, God, you're asking me to do something. I'm going to stop me in the middle of my work. You put a calling on my life. What's this for? Okay, second question. This is a journey, right? We're going somewhere far. Okay, is there snacks? Like, can we hit Bucky's on the way out? Like, something? That joke did well in the first two services. Y'all must really be hungry. But this is seriously what my heart cry would be. Where are we going? 
How are we going to get there? What's the destination? What's the purpose? All Jesus gives them is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the disciples had enough discernment in their heart to know that this was significant. The same way Elisha knew when that coat hit his back, this is significant. And I think of someone else. I think of a pastor who before he was a pastor was called into ministry. And then shortly thereafter was called to bring that said ministry to Lebanon, Tennessee. Is anybody tracking with me? For those of you that don't know Pastor Jim's background, Lebanon, not a good place for him. Miss Angela, Lebanon, not really a great place for her. In the BC versions, the before Christ versions of Jim and Angela, there were a lot of things that went down separately and even a little bit together that was just not the greatest. But God knew that by allowing them to go through that, bringing them to the saving knowledge of his son, redeeming them and their, their, their marriages and everything that God had for them, he had this in mind from the beginning. So he called them unto himself, come out of the darkness and into the light. And then he has his mantle moment where God says, I have a specific thing for you. And he answers that call. Your pastor embraced the discomfort of coming back to a place where we call it the stomping grounds, right? Where you're sowing your wild oats and life is not the best. You probably, how am I supposed to be a pastor? If it were me, how am I supposed to be a pastor in an area where my reputation is the complete opposite of Christianity? Isn't it ironic and wonderful that we sit in seven years of Launch Point Church being the exact opposite of his reputation so that Jesus could be seen to a community. And I sit in here and stand in here with you this morning, worshiping with you this morning, because one man and his wife said seven some odd years ago, it's not about our comfort. It's about the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is what they sought most, not their comfort. That irony in that, when I was preparing this and just thought, wow, like, God, thank you that I get to bring this to their remembrance. Not that it's about a man. It's not about a man. It's about a man following God. It's not about you. It's about you following God. It's not about anything else but God making himself great through his people. And that is Launch Point Church. Get out of your comfort. It's always going to be inconvenient. And the next thing is this. God's call is always sacrificial. Easy, pastor. Easy. Slow down. I'm trying to get past uncomfortable. You talking about sacrifice now. What am I supposed to give up? I'm so glad you asked. Everything. What did Jesus withhold from us? Nothing. Even unto what? The laying down of his life. So that what? 
those who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Sacrifice is essential to your calling. Because Elijah accepted the call, he understood he was immediately called to sacrifice all he had worked for in order to fully pursue what God had for him. In verse 20, it says this, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Did you catch the sacrifice? Let me read it again. In verse 20, he says, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. To move out of your comfort zone is one thing. To take your hand off the provision of your life and surrender it so you can pursue the calling of God and receive what he has for you and chase after it is a whole different thing. What do we say? $3,500 a cow? He let go of $7,000 in that moment. I think it just ran off. Who knows? But more than that, it was symbolic to the fact that he had all of this around him, comfort, security, a job, good paying life. Like he had it made and he said, I'm letting go of this thing so I can sacrifice what I desire and what means most to me to go after what God has laid in front of me. He left the oxen to chase after Elijah. This choice is not easy for Elisha and it's not easy for us in the moments that we are encountered with moments of sacrifice. The Bible says that we're supposed to live as what? A daily, a living sacrifice. It would be so easy for somebody to come in here with a gun and say, you got three seconds Deny Christ and live, or you're done. I mean, I'm not the brightest person in the world, would never aspire to be, but I know one thing. I'm taking that bullet, and I'm going to see Jesus. I got enough, I got enough of that sense in me to take that bullet and go see Jesus. Did you know that bullet comes for you every day? You just don't realize it? Every moment that you draw breath on this planet, every minute that you are alive, the Spirit of God is trying to get to you so that he can get through you to the world around you and draw them to himself so his name is made great. It requires sacrifice. It requires us laying down our wants and our desires and our comforts in order for God to be seen, in order for God to be glorified. Those who seek to save their life will what? Lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. A great example of this is Jesus again in Matthew 20, where he's talking with the disciples. The sons of thunder's uh, mom, James and John, goes to Jesus and says, hey, I, wanna, I want my sons to sit at your left and your right hand. And Jesus is like, do you even know what you're asking? First of all, it's not mine to give away. It's for my father to determine. But then he turns to the rest of them and says this, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. 
just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave of his life for us. He was about to go open a door for the first time since the Garden of Eden when perfection existed. For the first time since that moment, he was about to open up a door where the children of God can say, because of the blood of Jesus applied on my life, I get to go to the throne room and see my father. But Jesus needed to teach us how to truly get close to the father. If you try to just work and do stuff for God's kingdom, try to manufacture your own calling apart from sacrifice and serving in humility. You're going to try to build things here that don't go with you in eternity because your focus is not to make him known here. It's to just do things. Jesus knew this and said, Hey, you want to be close to my father in eternity? Whoever seeks to be the greatest must be the least. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. That's who you can count as great among you. Look at the people serving. They are great. Whoever wants to be first among you shall be your slave. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, none other than Jesus is more worthy than being served on this earth. But he came to serve and give his life a ransom for many so that we might learn in God's economy and God's kingdom in heaven. It's not about all the good things you did. It's about the, you seizing the opportunities of calling an assignment to be made low, a servant to all, so that Christ might be seen in you. So that his kingdom would be seen in you. The fruit of your life should be this, multiplication, where, not here, into the kingdom. Multiplication meaning you got saved, go get somebody saved. In your heart, in the last year, how many are coming to the kingdom because of you? Not because they prayed a prayer, because they prayed a prayer and then you led them through the word and then you held them accountable to the word and then you walked them, walked through life with them, you ministered to them. You brought that ministry of reconciliation from that's supposed to go from your life to the whole world. What is coming to the kingdom with you? If you don't serve and aren't sacrificially minded, it won't be much. That's why Jesus' sacrifice was the greatest, because he gave for all of us the opportunity to go to the Father. He gave us that access. And Elisha sacrificed his status and his wealth so that he could follow Elijah in a full life lived in submission and service to God. What does it say he did? Oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So sorry. Because of his sacrifice and because of his faithfulness, he was determined to display that sacrifice, display his service to the Lord. So he took action. And number three is this, God's call demands our action. It demands our action. Verse 21 says, so he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then they arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. 
sacrifice, service, obedience. Where was the obedience? He was determined to show Elijah his commitment. So he goes back, not to go back and be like, see you in a little while. This doesn't work out. Like, I mean, I'll be back. There was no going back for him. The Bible says very clearly that he took the very thing that his hand used to grip for provision, for control, for safety, security, for well-being, for his livelihood. What he used to grip for himself, he completely destroyed. He burned the plow and sacrificed his animals unto God. Sacrifice is complete inside of obedience. You can look at this thing backwards. If you are completely and totally, you read God's word and you're obedient to it, you take action on what this stuff says, believe it in your heart so much that your feet and your hands and your mouth and your mind begin to do and declare the things of God through the word, you will be a person that automatically has a heart for sacrifice. Because when God asks you of something, you're so willing to please him. You're so obedient to the word of God that there is no other option. Just like Jesus. What did he pray in the garden of Gethsemane? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Yours be done. Not what I want. What you say is best. I'll trust in that. That's obedience to the highest level. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane saying that prayer to his father. So we should be able to say, father, give me a heart of obedience on earth as it is in heaven. So be it unto me, whatever you ask and desire of my life, give me the heart that says I will lay it down. And if you have that heart to just be obedient to God and please him and walk out his word, you automatically fit the description of someone who will sacrifice for God, which then makes the things that you have to sacrifice not be an inconvenience anymore. Those things take care of themselves with obedience reigning supreme. Not only did he sacrifice his animals and destroy the ability to come back for himself, but he shared that decision with the community that he was a part of it says right there that they, he destroyed the plow. He burned the oxen, gave it to the people and they ate. And you know, the church community, this church launch point is that for you, the community that will help you stay on track with what God has called you to do. I can only imagine, I can't say that this is true because I wasn't there. I don't want to be those people that takes the word out of context. Y'all know Pastor Jim be on me in a minute. Like he'll be on me fast. Take the word out of context. I love him for it. But I can only imagine if it were me, if I make a decision like that and I destroy my ability to go back to safety and security and then I bring others into that decision, the purpose that it serves is to say, I am doing this for God. There is no way back for me. Pray for me. Think of me. You will not see me again. Love me. 
and do not let me come back over the horizon of that hill. If you see me, meet me on the road. We got to have a difficult conversation because I'm willing to serve the Lord. I'm willing to leave this community. I'm willing to step into what God has for me. Share that with people around you. Let them pray and encourage you. Let your pastors know what's going on in your life. Share the things of God with one another. Be in a small group. Don't just come and learn in the rows, but grow in the circles. Yeah, I learned a lot about y'all when I was here. Okay, I know the sayings. I want to close with these three things. Church, we live in a world that is filled with people that do not know Jesus. People that God sees walking the streets of Lebanon and the cities that you live in, the neighborhoods you're in. The Father's heart is dying and longing for his bride and desires that we bring him the only thing in all of creation he calls his portion and his prize, and that is us. The ones who confess with their mouth and believe with their heart. You bring him a harvest of believers and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The world needs Jesus and Jesus loves and desires the world for himself. So can we be willing to accept the inconvenience of God's call? Will you be willing to sacrifice whatever the Lord requires of you And will you be willing to take action by walking out your faith in obedience, true obedience to the word of God? That is the challenge today. But remember what I said at the beginning. Let me come back to hope and encouragement. You are by the word of God, not by what Daniel says, not by what we feel about each other, because sometimes we don't feel so great about each other. (laughs) Married people be quiet. But You are called from death to life by 1 John 3, 14. Not my opinion, not anybody else's opinion. This is God the Father's opinion of you. You're a child of life. You've been called from bondage to liberty. You have freedom and liberty inside of you. You're called out of darkness and into light. You have the light of the world accessible to those around you. You are called from bondage to peace. In a world that's crazy, You have the peace of God. You have the answer. You've been called to the fellowship of his son. And because God loves you, because he dwells inside of you, you have everything you need to fulfill the call of God on your life. But be willing to accept it. Sacrifice where the Lord requires and be obedient. Amen. Let's pray. God, this morning, I thank you for this word because the word is all we need to gain understanding, to, to know what you've said, to learn your character. The word is everything, but you didn't stop there. Lord, when you gave us the word, you gave us the Holy Spirit, the teacher to teach us, help us with the word and with our lives. So Holy Spirit, would you, Bring this word of conviction, of challenge, of a loving reminder to live out the daily sacrifice that you require of us. 
Would you remind us daily to pick up our cross and follow our Savior? To live out every day we're breathing as though we're truly dying, but dying to ourselves so that Christ might live in us. So that the world might know who you are through us. Every word, every action, every post on social media, everything we do should point to Jesus. Holy Spirit, convict us in the areas where we need conviction. Bring correction lovingly where we need it. And then bring comfort and clarity. So that as we walk in our true identity of what God has called us to be and to live and to do the certain things we're supposed to do, God, we might be fully alive and walking in purpose that we never knew existed. God, we love you. We're here today because we love you. Seal your word in our heart, God, and lead us in the way of everlasting It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.